welcome to episode number 208 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We're recording on July the 9th, 2023. My name is Eric, host of the show based in Southern Ontario, hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and of course, computer geek. Uh, as a first responder, witnessed an over-reliance on emergency services during major events and started a uh, small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. I'm the Frugal Gunny. I recently moved to Northern Ontario, pretty much in the middle of nowhere. I'm an off-gridder, a shooter, a hunter, fisher, gatherer, trapper type, and a bit of a generalist. It's only recently that I came to accept that I'm a prepper. Well, there we go. I think uh, everyone's noticed that Jeff isn't here. Something to do with Fireball and yeah, the hunt camp last night. That's what we're going to blame it on anyways. <laughs> He'll tell you his microphone's not working. Don't believe him. <laughs> if you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, you can buy some swag. We've got the Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt and the tactical Velcro patch available at prepperpodcast.ca. All the proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. If you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we will really want your feedback, whether it's good or bad, or just if there's a topic you want us to cover. You can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. You read that so much better than Pierre. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've got some twisted content for you in this episode. We're going to start off with some recent news. We'll update you on our personal preps, and then we're going to get into the main topic, and we're talking cabin evac and uh, tornadoes this evening. It's assuming Jeff shows up, that is. That's right. All right. So, uh, as far as news goes, I'm pretty sure everybody has noticed over the last, what was our last episode? About two weeks ago now, uh, the air quality sucked. (laughs) There has been a lot of smoke everywhere. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's something that we're going to get into here in this episode. And we're talking about cabin evac because it's uh, directly related. But uh, there has been a lot of smoke in the air and there's been a lot of cancellations of things. And I can't remember a time that there's been this thick of a smoke in the air that hasn't been caused by a close or nearby fire. Me either. It was pretty intense. Pretty stinky uh, at times, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We got rotten eggs there at one point from it. Yeah. Never had a normal fire smelling like that before. So no, no, I've had some things smell like rotten eggs, but not fired. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Plastic in my case. (laughs) Oh yes. Yep. But uh, yeah, with that, let's move on to what we've done lately for preps. So uh, myself, I know this one's going to be shocking. Uh, I got the radio out portable. Uh, so like I mentioned, we were at the uh, the hunt camp over the last couple of days. Uh, so I made a few contacts and probably the coolest one that we got was Wake Island. On uh, I was only operating on 10 watts because I didn't bring my battery pack for my, uh, my amplifier. And uh, yeah, Wake Island is in the middle of freaking nowhere. <laughs> It is pretty impressive, folks. You yeah. got to go look up where Wake yeah. Island is. Yeah, Google it. I was very happy with that. Uh, Jeff was with me, and we kind of shook our heads and went, "Wait a minute, he can hear us." <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, if, well if, all right. If you hit Wake Island on Google yep. Earth and just just watch the globe spin around until it gets yep. to where you need to be, and that's cool yep. in itself. That was pretty neat. We kind of lucked out. There was a a contest going on on the weekend, so we we hopped in there and was able to get in and make a few contacts. There's tons and tons of people operating. So tons and tons of people listening to and figured, yeah, let's see what we can do here. And it was literally just a wire up in the tree and then the, uh, the radio sitting on the cooler and away we went. And you hit that with 10 Watts, right? 10 Watts. Yep. Wow. So yeah, we were pretty, pretty happy with that. So that is impressive. Yeah. And then beyond that, uh, finally bit the bullet on some reloading gear. So with the, fantastic, uh, yeah. So with the advice of frugal there made a, made a purchase and, uh, now we get to see if I can figure out how to make it all work without blowing myself up. Oh, this makes me <laughs> happy to hear. <laughs> so I've been, I've been eyeing that stuff up for quite some time and, uh, with getting back into the ranger team here over the last couple of weeks, I figured it's time. And, uh, there happened to be some applicable sales on. So it's almost like, uh, they knew I was coming. So it's definitely the way to get into it. Uh, if I had to <clears throat> say, um, which cartridge to start with, I would start with a nice, easy straight wall pistol cartridge first <laughs> and then work your way to rifle, which is a little bit more brass prep. Yeah. Um, I grabbed, uh, I grabbed uh, nine millimeter and three Oh eight. 
So I got Great the dice choices. for that. So. Great choices for reloading. Those those are the ones I started with as well. So oh, perfect. I'm gonna be picking you, you your brain for a while. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's a it's quite a rabbit hole so um oh i've welcome. noticed <laughs> <laughs> well it's just might be you... a, another hobby full of rabbit holes oh yes <laughs> and, and if you ever need me to poke through any of my books let me know it's gonna awesome. be a lot of fun yeah sounds I, good I enjoy getting other people into different cartridges and and I, I foresee and uh, another reloading episode in our future we did one quite a while ago I foresee that, another one coming up. That would be another great fun rabbit hole. I'm sure we'd have lots I'm of sure. people joining in for that one as well. I'm sure we would. Yeah, yeah. All right. What have you done lately? So on my end, I'm uh, still looking out there for my next gig. So I ran into a couple of interviews, filling out lots of forms, doing security clearance stuff. Uh, other than that, I've been dealing with forest fire stuff. So uh-huh. um, we did an evacuation of my <laughs> cabin because um, there is still, according to the maps, and I just checked tonight just before logging on here to see if I was full of it or not, and there is still a fire showing about less than 50 kilometers as the crow flies from my cabin. <clears throat> that is yeah, a fantastic so. segue into the main topic of this evening's episode. <laughs> I thought so as well, yes. <laughs> Other than that, uh, I've been helping a friend plan out his uh, solar install. And so nice. I'm kind of excited to help him out with that, seeing as I've now done it a couple of times. So it's kind of fun to help somebody else with it, too. Nice. We've got yeah. uh, Terry in the live chat just uh, commenting on reloading. Is uh, reloading one of the many paths to poverty? Because <laughs> 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 awesome, ham radio leads there, too. Great. Yes. Let, let's let's acknowledge everybody that if you get into reloading, you're not going to save money. You're, you're just going to maybe shoot a bit more for the money you're spending once you're done developing. But you may run into all kinds of rabbit holes on the way there, and I can't be held responsible for those. <laughs> Bring on the rabbit holes. That's right. <laughs> Uh, Thanks for joining, Terry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like you mentioned, uh, with the whole forest fire things and a, and a fire being about fifty k from your cabin as the crow flies, uh, we figured we would do an episode on just debriefing because you, uh, you and a couple of the other panelists did make a run to uh, take your stuff out of the cabin and get everything back away from the fires. And uh, we thought it'd be a great opportunity to just chat with you about what went right, what went wrong, what kind of fell in the middle and uh, lessons learned. And I'm sure we can all learn from the experiences. I know it all came together rather quickly yes, and it, uh, it was kind of fun to watch it unfold in the chats. Uh, <laughs> me sitting here going, that's, I can't go and help out because by the time I get up there to help, you'll have already been there and back. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, was, it was nice to see the group kind of get together and, and get rolling and kind of interested to hear uh, exactly how things unfolded and, and lessons that were learned. It was a great example of people coming together quickly and everybody had a part to play and pitched in and it was it was amazing. Um, I literally, we, we did two trips up north in one week, in less than one week. Um, we went up, I believe it was on a Tuesday and uh, that one was really rushed because um, the fires were just popping up everywhere. That was really out of control in a lot of places. Uh, the smoke was very, very thick. And so uh, we were watching the environmentals very closely. And uh, I see that uh, some of our crew are listening in, so it's great. Um, we were watching very closely the fire situation. And I was making plans to go up there by myself because I don't like dragging other people into my insanity. Uh, so I have a tendency to go uh, alone on a lot of these, these missions that I give myself and set for myself. Um, and Pierre and Melissa just kind of dove in and said, hey, how can we help? And I just felt like, oh, my God, I can't believe anybody would actually want to come up with me to drive mm-hmm. up seven hours. A seven hours drive. Let's let's just admit that That's, in itself is a grueling thing, especially uh, with you in a vehicle. Especially <laughs> with me, you know, I, <laughs> I tend to push my poor little truck to limits that I don't know 
let's just say that I'm, I'm, I can attest to the legendary toughness of the Tacoma. Fair uh, enough. <laughs> uh, I, I overloaded that poor little thing. Um, and uh, Melissa and Pierre helped me out. So we, we basically got everything together really quickly. Um, I don't think we had the trailer on the first run. I believe that was on the, no, I do believe I did have the trailer on the, oh man, I'm starting to forget already. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> no, I think I went back for the ATV on the second run. So the first run we went up, it was getting up there very quickly. We used my ATV, packed a lot of my things out of there really quickly. Um, we drove up pretty much nonstop on the first run. Um, I had my girlfriend with me, Pierre and Melissa were in their truck and, uh, we pushed pretty hard to get up there. And once we got there, they walked in with me and got to see the cabin, uh, helped me get some of the things out of the cabin, loading them into my little trailer. Cause I have a little, uh, utility trailer. It's a little beaten up, but it's, uh, definitely doing the job. And we used my ATV to ferry all of the contents. So we had tools, we had reloading supplies, we had a couple of firearms in there. I had clothing, um, ammunition, um, all kinds of electronics. So my, my spare batteries, uh, a lot of the supplies I needed to make my mobile battery pack, all the tools for that. So a whole ton of stuff came out and uh, they had brought some bins along. Hey, it was very cool. I want to give a shout out to uh, Darius who um, was keeping us up to date on the fire reports and the smoke reports as we were making our way up there. Jeff was giving us the weather reports, keeping us appraised on that. Uh, we got up there though, the smoke was hard on the face. It was hard on the eyes. Um, Darius had given us some great tips to have lots of water with us. And man, did I ever drink a ton of water after coming back from out there. My eyes were very, very dry. Just being around in a smoky environment, for those of you who haven't done it before, um, definitely that was the biggest tip. Have lots of water on hand. Give us some tips also on not wearing cotton because um, apparently cotton will ignite. Uh, so uh, That could be an issue. Yeah, that could be an issue. Um, the one concern that I had about bringing other people up there with me is that we're about a kilometer, my, my cabin is about a kilometer from the main road. So um, if fire was to take, it's a fairly narrow trail, there's a really strong possibility we would not be able to get out and we could have our way blocked by flames. Right. And so um, I had a bit of a, um, a sense of urgency about the entire affair. We didn't want to stay any longer than we had to. And I believe we were there not much longer than two, two and a half hours. Um, just basically getting everything out of there and then strapping it and loaded it into the truck as best as we could. And we got out of there and burned our <laughs> way all the way back down. Um, it was quite a trip. It was really amazing. Um, crash landed back into the uh, the area between Moose Creek and Ottawa and distributed my stuff to the four corners uh, between my friends. And uh, then we decided to, I decided I was gonna go back up on my own to try and get an ATV out of there. And Pierre offered to come up and help so that we could get both ATVs out of there. And so mm -hmm. I rented a trailer for this particular second venture. Right. And we decided to go up there. And while we were there with the trailer and the ATVs to try and bring back whatever else we could that would be of value, because there were still a few things remaining. Not a lot, but I was hoping to get at least the ATVs out. Um, so managed to find a trailer, made my way up there with Pierre. Um, one thing that I did forget, what did go wrong? Because friends, when, when you're running really fast and crazy, um, there's no such thing as perfection, right? But the faster things are, the less perfect it's going to be. Mm -hmm. I think we can all acknowledge that, right? So yep. uh, what did I forget? The most important thing that I normally am very attached to bringing is jerry cans. And why oh, was that a factor? Because my truck burned way more fuel than it normally did pulling that U-Haul trailer out there. 
It was a 2,300 pound trailer. And so my little V6 truck ended up consuming most of its tank of gas by the time we were in Mattawa. And so uh, we had to stop because it was one in the morning and there are no gas stations open that late uh, in Mattawa. So the one thing that went wrong, that I can say went wrong, was on my end, forgot my jerry cans. Right. Uh, otherwise, almost everything we could have needed to survive and, and make do for extended periods we already had in the vehicle. Um, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting that that's the one thing that uh, went wrong and not something you would necessarily think to plan for ahead of time. Uh, because why would you be renting a trailer to get your ATVs out that I presume stay there all year round anyways? Right. right. So that, that's that's an interesting angle to now you got to add that to your list. Everyone that's listening, if you got a remote cabin, think about trailering things out and what that's going to add to your trip. Yeah, and also consider the time of the day. Um, there's right. there's yep. a reason I normally have those jerry cans, and that's because I enjoy driving uh, and traveling at night. Mm -hmm. uh, driving and traveling at night, there's a lot less trucks. Um, yep. There's a lot less touristy people on the road. Um, there's a lot less Sunday drivers on the road at night. It's a lot less uh, of everything. A lot it's less of everything. It's uh, you have a little bit more wildlife. I was going to say, yep, there's yeah. that. Yep. But otherwise, <laughs> um, I've, I've enjoyed driving at night yep. myself. Um, and I find it less stressful. But the downside is that when you're out in the middle of nowhere, you may not have the fuel you need when you need it. Yep. And so this is what happened to me this time because my fuel consumption pattern changed because I was dragging a big trailer behind me <clears throat> and I hadn't had to do that before. And so uh, we got up there though and we were able to get everything out. And I see Melissa making a, a fantastic comment here. Um, I, let, let's mention some of these things because this is, this is good stuff here. She's reminding me of, there was like a, like a, um, we had our lights on on our we had our headlamps on because we got up there in the dark and it was starting to get dark and we could see there was some sort of like snow in the air except it wasn't snow this was ash it was mm. ash falling down and so we could see that it was it was pretty thick as we were starting to leave um and and i remember melissa being down there going okay i don't know what to grab and that's exactly it if if you're um if you don't have your stuff ready to go already in containers um, and you're moving things in a rush, there's going to be a time delay while you're containering it because you can't walk out with, you know, um, hands. I, I'm, I'm using my hands to describe something here for those of our friends who are listening in. Uh, the average tool or box or something, it hits, fits in the hand. But if you have um, two dozen of these things, to pack away, well, you need bins, you need bags. And if you've got friends coming to help you move those things and you're doing it in a rush, you kind of have to move quickly in these kinds of conditions. And so we were just trying to grab what we could and throw it in. But uh, I remember both my girlfriend and Melissa looking around going, oh, geez, I don't know what to grab. I don't know what to do right. for you. And I remember at one point I went up to the loft and we were just relaying things down the stairs. And I think that was, that was fun because it felt like we were moving things and everybody was helping to move things along. Right. So that was really cool. It gives everybody a job, right? Makes them feel like they're contributing. It does. Yep. It does. And uh, it was so much help. And, and uh, Melissa also mentioned that Pierre just about fell asleep behind the wheel. Um, yes. When you are moving in a convoy, um, mm -hmm. it's good to know and have and work with the buddy system. Yep. Um, this happened to me when I was in the military. It's very easy to fall asleep when you've got this white noise. Um, mm -hmm. And white noise, man, just off-road tires on pavement. There's some white noise right there, the droning of the motor. Um, you add fatigue in there, and it's really easy not to nod off. And yep. so having your co-pilot there who can nudge you and say, hey, I'm taking over here or, uh, Hey, roll the windows down. Let's crank some music up, you know, yep. punch you or in just, the arm or something like yeah, that. Or just, Hey, wake up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> snap out of it, right. Yeah. So, um, that was always the big challenge in, in this <laughs> run. And for anybody contemplating rescue missions of this kind, um, in our case, when Pierre and I ran into the fuel wall in Mattawa, 
it gave us an actual opportunity to get some shut eye so right. that we could get up there load and then boogie on back without having to take a longer break while up there um, awesome so let's yes so let's rewind for a second here and paint Please. the picture of why we're running up there so quickly all of a sudden what uh, uh -huh. what transpires there we go from you know we're chatting about the fires that are happening because everybody's talking about that at that time. You know, it's weird that there's all this smoke everywhere. We kind of alluded to that in the, in the news section of this episode and that all of a sudden the chat just lightens up uh, or lights up. Uh, and for those listening, we've got a, a little panelist chat where we are all chatting and talking about various things amongst each other all the time. And some of it is, is things like this where we're helping each other out. And uh, all of a sudden there's this flurry of messages and chat and, and all of a sudden this plans coming together. Um, why was it such a rush all of a sudden? What happened? All right. So that's probably the best question of all so far. Um, <clears throat> I didn't pay a lot of money out for this cabin, but when this whole pandemic business hit, um, I moved all of my contents up there because I figured, okay, I'm going to have to live off the land and survive up there. And so it turns out that I had more value up there than I had uh, up there in items stored in the cabin than I actually had paid out for the cabin and the land itself. And so um, while looking at this fire situation, the smoke situation, all that kept rolling through my poor mind was um, a very frank discussion I had with one of the locals um, who explained to me that the local firefighters have a nickname and it's a rather unfortunate one because it's a volunteer firefighter department and they're basically all living in the middle of nowhere, similar to me. And so, they don't necessarily have the response times you're going to see in the city. And so they have a very unfortunate right. nickname. They're called the basement savers. Mm. And so this implies that by the time they get to your place, they'll help you save your basement. And so that was always on my mind the entire time. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, do I want to get back up there and not have anything left at all? Um, and so I was weighing the the cost of getting everything up there and managing to find a way to do so versus potentially losing it and having to one day replace it. And um, that's when Pierre and Melissa all volunteered to help. And all of a sudden, it became a possibility to get a lot more than I thought I was ever going to get up by myself. Awesome. How close were the fires at the point we... Uh all the chat kind of started to spin up and you guys started making plans. Well, there were a uh, great question. Again, there were two fires that were in less than a hundred kilometers uh, of a radius of my cabin. Uh, so there was one fire that was, I believe it was uh, west of Kirkland Lake. There was another one burning slightly north of Kirkland Lake. And so I guess this was three fires nearby. And then there was that one, uh, near New Liskard, which is about, again, another 40 to 50K uh, as the crow flies. So knowing how embers move in the wind and how dry the conditions were once we were up there, because I, I hadn't set foot up there in a couple of months when we did get up there. And when we were shuffling things in and out of there, I remember noting how dry the ground was. So this is significant uh, because my land is wetlands. Um, mm. The water table is very high. Uh, there's normally a creek running constantly. And unfortunately, that creek was dry. The road was completely wow. dry. The soil was completely dry. And normally the water table there, very, very high. There's almost always mud. It's almost always difficult to get in and out through the main road. So um, this is what prompted me to get back there and to get the ATVs out, telling myself, well, if I can get the two ATVs out, at least I have one way to get my stuff in and out of there guaranteed when I go back up there. Um, so that was the thinking behind going up there for the second run and saving the ATVs. And the reasoning also is that I could work on the other dead one while I was down here until the, the wildfire season subsided. Right. Oh, that's awesome. And, and just speaks to the fact that, you know, some people would probably be thinking, oh, 100K away, why are we worried about a fire that's 100K away? You got to be worried about that fire because it's coming your way and it's coming quick. Exactly. Right? So it's, um, yeah. in, in a rural situation, friends, it's, it's not like 
Uh, and and it's, it's even more than rural where we were. We're talking about northern bush. So it's this yep. bushland. So um, you walk out, say, less than half an hour drive of any small town up there, and you are literally in the deepest bush. Uh, only people who live off the grid, a lot of Amish up there because there's no cell phone service. Uh, there's no electricity in a lot of these areas. So you really are in a remote area. And so there, uh, if you combine the, the forest practices, you know, the fact that we've had uh, a lot of storms, so a lot of deadfall, uh, this leaves a lot of fuel on the ground for a forest fire to pick up and take. And yep. if you combine winds and uh, well, just that alone will do the job. But then if you start involving uh, human behavior and the human factor in there, well, who knows where it can go, right? Oh, it can uh, go anywhere so with the human factor. It, it can go anywhere <laughs> with the human factor. And I remember thinking, you know, I, I don't think I could afford to replace all of that gear. And so yep. I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to try and rescue what I can. And so that's how it all came together. And uh, it was quite an, an accomplishment. So I, I got to give them a huge shout out again and a huge thank you. Um, I'm now resting easy, even if I lost. Uh, and yes, thank you for that, David. It's absolutely right. It's a perfect example of what a MAGA, a mutual assistance group, uh, can do for you. And, and you don't get one of these without reaching out to other people, right? Exactly. Yep. You have to reach out. And all I remember doing was just sharing with people, oh, geez, look at this. I'm going to have to head up there. And all of a sudden, people want to come and join me. And I remember thinking, well, I don't know if who's crazier, me for going <laughs> up or them for wanting to join in with me. Yep. Um, but I was yep. very grateful because it, it all worked out very, very well. Yep. And uh, so it was neat to, neat to see all the Oh, it was. to see all the panelists come together and, and even the ones that weren't local or able to pitch in physically were yeah. throwing all their intel and information into the chat group and helping you out with that so it was uh, it was really neat to see everybody just get their skill set in order and just focus on the mission and, and get you guys either the ones that are physically going there and just get all the intel to you it was kind of it was kind of neat to watch that all unfold and and almost completely unprompted oh yeah it was, it was really neat the level of coordination was really impressive yeah. And, uh, and it, it highlights actually something else that we, we, we harp on here on this uh, podcast um, and others elsewhere do too. It's about having yep. communications channels, folks. Yep. Um, 100%. You know, I, I would have liked to have more communications channels with my group during this time, yep. uh, seeing as we were in a zone where there was difficult cell access. So uh, the one thing I would have liked to have for the next time is a CB kit. And of course, a mobile yeah. ham uh, setup. Mm -hmm. So those are going to be first of uh, first front of mind for uh, the next year or so. I want to work on some comms. So that was a, a huge proof of concept there, and having alternate comms. Um, so yeah, a huge, mm -hmm. huge operation. It was very cool. And where would you deploy that? Just out of curiosity, since we're getting in the communications uh, area. Yeah. So. The, the thing that we would benefit from is seeing as we already have one or two in our group that do have a ham set up mm -hmm. is I would want one where I could deploy it and stage it up front somewhere before going into an operational area. So maybe I have um, a link, right? Because we know that our portable ham setups uh, only have a certain amount of range. So we yep. need to use... Um, uh, repeaters. I was trying to look yep. for the right word. We need to be able to set up repeaters. So yep. um, given that I have a couple of uh, bow fangs and mm -hmm. I can set myself up with a mobile hem system once I have my license, what I'm planning on doing is maybe uh, seeing if I can use one of those bow fangs to make a mobile repeater that will work on my mobile power pack, something that I could pre-stage up front uh, so that we could have comms that could reach into those harder areas and but also have ham to have the ability to connect with a, a base station yep. and uh, then have an even better longer range uh, mm -hmm. of operations and comms you said you were able to reach wake island with 10 watts that was all propagation that's really <laughs> impressive i mean I, I i know you've got weather and environmentals yep. are a huge part of it right but 
Yeah, that was luck. If, but, if anything it, proves the concept, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's that's all HF, right? So the stuff you're talking there with repeaters and stuff would all be like VHF, UHF type of communications with the bell fangs and such. All right, but uh, still, yeah, that could work. Uh, So the mobile repeater setup could be a thing too. It it would be about having alternate methods to communicate because when those cell towers go down, Mm -hmm. um, and that's a very real thing, cell towers do go down, and we could probably do an episode alone on the cell infrastructure. I think we did around the time Rogers kicked the bucket for a, a day or two. Oh, great timing. Yes. Yeah. So that, yeah, that cell infrastructure, when it goes down man, people panic, mm-hmm. right? Um, and in every well, we the- main disaster, it's our ham radio operators that end up reestablishing yep. comms the first. Yep. I, I yep. think that speaks for itself. Does it not? It does. I could see that being useful. Like the fact you guys were able to get up to the cabin, keep comms with us uh, in the little signal group there. Um, it, if that goes down, have that as a backup form of communication to keep relaying that same information that we are relaying over the cell system. Like obviously path of least resistance, use the cell system if it's there, but always have a backup, right? So oh, I like that. That's, um, I think we're going to nerd out on some stuff later. Oh yes. It's, uh, <laughs> the, the entire, the entire, I call it an operation because it yep. was, we slammed it together pretty quickly. It was uh, fast. And it was yep. fast. And uh, <laughs> considering how fast it went, I'm surprised nothing really went wrong really uh, i don't call forgetting jerry cans really a, a major a major bobo that's um, the human just, element like you said right absolutely right. people uh, under pressure that that little thing <laughs> that little stuff's gonna happen yep. you can't you hey, can't stop that no you can't hey we were well stocked for goodies to eat on the way up oh, there you go perfect um, <laughs> we had everything else so it went yep. really really well and and i want everybody out there to consider what they would do if they were in a similar situation you know yep. what if you had to get yourself out uh you your family just your stuff right move it from one place to another um knowing that we could do that as a group and mm-hmm. that I got friends who could join in with me in that time of need, it just cements it all that this is this is a survival technique and method that has worked forever and yeah. still does. We got good friends here that uh, yeah. are there and I'll be there for them anytime they need it, of course, as well. Yep. Yeah, and Darius has a good uh, good point in the, the live chat here, and he says it's uh, one of those events that connects many of the things that we've uh, had episodes on together. Uh, good to know the systems we have in place work. So, so true. Yep. Um, you never know when you're going to need all these contingencies that we talk about, yep. and all these emergency preparedness tips and tricks. You yep. never know when you're going to need them. And what was odd is that by telling all of my friends at work what was happening, Yep. They learned a couple of things. Oh, geez. One of us uh, lives up there out in the middle of the bush because, you know, I do have work relations other than the, the, the friends that we have here in our signal group. Right. And telling them that I had to evacuate my gear, um, it brought it home. And there were other people in my working relations who also had to prepare to move in case there was fire because they were in areas where there was fires nearby. And so I think there was a whole lot of this um, understanding across the country. A lot of people were facing these same thoughts and these same threats uh, as I was. In fact, I think some lost uh, a lot, you know, like for example, in Nova Scotia, um, in Quebec, I know there was a lot of fires I don't know how many people lost homes or, or anything like that, but um, there was there was a lot of stuff burning up out of control. So yes, not everybody see this saw this in Canada, but many did, and I don't think we've seen this much of it in the past uh, all yeah. at once. Um, yeah, there was a lot of fires going all at once. I I can't remember a time where there's been like that thick smoke here that's blown from forest fires like hundreds of kilometers away right like it's that is and it's been consistent for like a good solid month if not a bit longer very much so wild very wild um so glad to glad to know it all went and worked out um had so much help um yes darius here mentioning from the time i first mentioned the issue to the time tires were on the road was less than two hours it was very quick decision. I remember mentioning yep. it. Uh, 
I'm going to go up there. I'm going to do an all-nighter to get my stuff out and get back here. Um, and everybody joined in to help. It was really amazing. It was really, really amazing. Yeah, that gives everybody listening kind of an idea of the timeline that the, you guys are dealing with. It, like I said, it was quick. It went from, yeah, there's some fires around to, no, there's really some fires around. This is close to, <laughs> I'm getting my truck and going. <laughs> and it, yeah, within, you know, about, like Darius said there, within about two hours of that progression of, okay, this is bad to, this, okay, this is, okay, now we got to act. Uh, yeah, two hours and rubber on the road going. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it happened quick. Yeah, and 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 I I remember thinking long and hard about it because Pierre and Melissa were just throwing everything into the pile saying, yeah, we're coming to help you. And I remember wondering, geez, if it's this dangerous, do I really want to bring friends mm -hmm. up there? You know, do I want to risk them question. for my madness? Because... I don't right. mind. So uh, for any of you listening out there, I, I have a hard time gambling $5. <laughs> gambling my own life, I can take calculated risks. I don't have an issue with that. But gambling my money is hard. But yep. gambling somebody else's life, somebody yep. else's stuff, I have a really, really hard time asking somebody else to do that. Um, so I was just, I think, mentioning, okay, I think I'm going to go up there. Um, and all of a sudden, all this help jumping forward and I, I couldn't say no because Melissa was right. She was very much a, a big proponent here. She was saying, look, you shouldn't be going up there. Um, you're in bad air. You know, there's so many things can go wrong if you're alone driving in there into the bush. So um, yeah, it came together very, very quickly. And we've got some, uh, some of our uh, listeners here writing in that uh, they had the smoke all the way down in Kentucky, David says. Yep. That's crazy. That's, uh, yeah, it's, that's far. That is far. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was far getting to me, but getting to, uh, getting all the way to Kentucky. Yikes. Yeah. So that's the story mm -hmm. of the cabin evac. I'm, I'm still uh, dealing with the results of the cabin evac, um, distributing my things. I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm not uh, going to relocate up there um, for the nearest future for the simple reason that, and this is going to be a future prep for up there. Now I've now realized the importance of being able to fight one's own fires if right. one is reliant on any kind of services that are volunteer-based or at a distance. Right. So um, the next main prep item is going to be a suitable pump that can draw water from a pond about 75 to 100 yards away and provide firefighting capabilities because uh, then I would feel a lot better about leaving more stuff up there but again right. seven hours to get up makes it difficult to fight fire right sure does yeah so yep. <laughs> uh, keep that in mind all of you out there who want to go live off the grid um, the the ease with which your stuff can go quickly. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's hard to underscore that any further. All right. Here's a, here's another question for you. Had you envisioned having to evacuate at any point from the cabin or made any previous plans or was this all completely off the cuff? Let's go and just see what happens. I had envisioned that I might have to at some point. Yep. Um, and so I had a, an idea of what I might prioritize. Mm -hmm. um, if I had to clear the most valuable items out. And that's mostly because I've moved so much in my life that I, I now have a bit of a system <laughs> right. on how to yep. move. Um, big and bulky things first, mm -hmm. right? Big and bulky things first. And then you fill in the holes and you do what I call 3D Tetris. And I've gotten pretty good at doing nice. that. <laughs> and it turns out that Melissa and Pierre and my girlfriend are very good at it as well. So um, it didn't take us long to pack it up. Uh, the longest portion was me deciding what order to bring what out in right? and then making it work. And so um, that was um, a lot of fun. I would say that's uh, the biggest consideration um, yep. is having it planned up front. I had not pre-staged it to move it all, but right. because it happens to be a really small space for space management purposes, 
a lot of my stuff was already in bins. Um, hmm. Some of those things were loose and sitting around like my books. So right. there was definitely some items that had to quickly be packed. But if you keep a lot of your stuff in bins, and this is not a, an unnatural proposition for someone who might live in cottage country or in a rural environment where you do have mice, you do have... I think I just lost Rugal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're back. I think I dropped off there for a bit. You did. And I awkwardly oh. sat there for a second going, is it my internet or yours? Because I have no other panelists to validate what's going was, on right now. I was also <laughs> unsure there for a moment. <laughs> so where did I cut out? As you cut out, uh, we were talking about bins and uh, being in the rural community and you know, not that not being odd for like cottage or rural living uh, to help keeping uh, the mice out and such. Exactly. When you're uh, when you are building small cabins, uh, when you're building in the bush, uh, you do have all kinds of little mice. You got squirrels. Um, you've got all kinds of little critters who are going to get into things. And so, I had already taken the habit of storing a lot of my stuff in bins. So if that's something you already do, modularize your storage, um, then moving it out of there is a lot easier if you have to do it in an unprepared, quick manner as I did. If you can manage to label your bins, that is even better. better. Yes. And um, the other thing I'll mention is cheap bins need not apply for this sort of stuff. Um, I personally love Rubbermaid bins because they stand up to incredible levels of abuse. Uh, mm -hmm. In this case, I think we used a combination of those and some Costco bins, but don't cheap out on your bins when you're right. storing in um, in cottages, in sheds. Use the good stuff. They last under heat. They last under heavy yeah. load, and the mice have a harder time getting through them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Awesome. Now, how, would the, is this going to change any of your plans or future way of doing things at the cabin once the fires kind of settle down and, and things get back under control? Are you changing anything, modifying anything? Uh, or are you going to stay status quo? You think everything pretty much worked out the way you envisioned it and things are just going to stay in the bins and go back where they were? That was another, another great, great, great question. Um, so I'm probably going to be changing a lot of things as a result okay. of this. Um, I have dreams of a moat by the way. Uh, okay. I don't know how I'm going to pull that off anytime soon, but a fire you know, break of some sort. Yeah. Some sort of fire break mechanism yeah. would be fantastic to work out. Um, the other thing that I'm planning on doing is storage that is in ground storage uh -huh. that is in ground so that I don't concentrate all of my items in the cabin and maybe have them distributed over the property so that if there is a fire, I can have multiple fire breaks and therefore make it a little easier to maybe not lose everything in one fell swoop. Um, so that would be a big one. And the other one, of course, is um, to further embrace the mobility concept that I've been floating around for quite some time. Yep. Uh, if one is living completely mobile, then you don't have to have all your eggs in one basket, and you can just carry your basket with you or your baskets mm -hmm. with you. And so um, more to follow on that. Uh, I'll be embracing nice. that way uh, of doing things so that I leave less of my items behind in areas that are so inaccessible. I like it. Yeah. Always evolving. That's half the fun of this whole preparedness trip. There's always something new to learn. There's always something new to change or mix up. And it's usually based off of previous experience where you go, yeah, things I came out of that. All right. But. Absolutely. But. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and, and that's a good habit to take. Um, it's something that I did when uh, I was a combat engineer a long, long time ago. Um, every time we took a vehicle out with a bunch of kit for mm -hmm. any kind of mission, and the missions would vary. We would have some that would go out, and we would have to have a blend of different gear and equipment because the, the, 
and I don't want to get into too many specifics, but of course, uh, if you're doing mining and demining operations versus field construction versus demolition, those are all different pieces of gear for all of those three activities. Right. Um, and I'm in transporting troops too. So I had to plan all that up front. And so again, a lot of mobility, uh, being modular in my mobility was a big part of our operational uh, way of doing things. I'm going to try and bring that approach more uh, into how I do things as well so that I'm a little bit more vehicle-based, but also have um, mobile and uh, different areas of operations Mm -hmm. because I got friends a little bit all over the place. So why not make use of that Um, and not leave caches of gear? Uh, mm-hmm. with different friends so that if something were to happen in this city, well, not all my stuff is in the city. Um, nope. Or if uh, routes are cut off and I can't get to my one storage spot, well, that's okay. I still have stuff in other storage spots. So mobility like as a concept also means having different caches, like the squirrel, right? The squirrel might have <laughs> different spots to squirrel their mm-hmm. stuff away, right? So uh, I'm looking at different ways to... Um, deal with this stuff because I'm not in, in the position to buy one big property and put everything there in one space yet. Right. So maybe distributed is the way to go. And the other useful way of doing that or the other benefit of doing this is if it's somewhere with somebody else and they all of a sudden are in a jam and need it, well, you can say, hey, remember that thing I got stored at your place? Mm-hmm. Go ahead and use it. So for example, right now right. I'm rolling with shovels and picks and all kinds <laughs> of uh, outdoor labor gear, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to be able to help out a friend who's uh, also getting his land set up. And so nice. uh, there's a benefit to being highly mobile and flexible mm-hmm. in how you store your, your things. More to follow on this as I figure that out too. <laughs> I'm, I'm hearing a future episode emerge. <laughs> I think there very well will be, yes. <laughs> I like it. No, this has been a this has been a good a good debrief and uh, lots of good uh, lessons learned and some good information, uh, and yeah, I think uh, it definitely paints a good picture for people. This is the the second uh, episode now where we've done a debrief that has been fire like wildfire related. Uh, we had one with Hughes there a couple of years ago where he had to uh, evac his his home, like his family from his home, uh, and he had little to no time to do it. I think it was what ten minutes of a warning, and he had to get out. Um, so if you go in the back catalog for that one, uh, it's, it's an interesting listen as well. We break down what went right and what went wrong for him. And, and now we've got your experience to, to go off of as well, where, uh, you know, you're not, um, you're not at home at the time. You got to make that trip seven hours to get to your location first to evac everything out. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a similar set of circumstances, but it's incredibly different at the same time. Um, so a lot of things kind of cross as far as, um, what what was learned but at the same time there's a lot of differences so it's oh yeah it's, it's I, neat to need to learn from from experience like this this was an interesting one i'd say if if anything it was um, a logistical challenge mm. uh to do it all so quickly yep. um but we pulled it all off incredibly um uh, there also was um some serendipity there in the timing uh right you know, some, some folks are blessed to be able to have some flexibility with work. And so yep. that came into play as well. Um, so it all worked out incredibly. And so very, very grateful. Um, and if others can learn from this, well, it was very, very well worth uh, sharing. Yep. Um, it it felt like awesome. it was all happening very quickly, I'll admit. But yep. knowing that I had... A number of go bags ready to go knowing that i had a truck with all of my gear ready to go meant that there was a lot of things that i didn't have to worry so much about and i could focus on the logistics yep so great benefit to emergency preparedness because you know you've got that covered especially if it's something you have rehearsed and done in the past it's testing your gear and knowing how to use it who to who to thunk right <laughs> yeah Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, for example, I now know the feeling of when my truck is just slightly overloaded with a trailer. I know that feeling now. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. uh, I I can't say I have learned that before. You were about to say, Eric. <laughs> no, I was just I was just going to say if there's any kind of last minute things that you wanted to uh, to put out there to the listeners or any last minute experiences or something we haven't uh, touched on. Oh, 
the one thing that I think we should underscore um, was how useful it is to know people who know more about you do about things that you're not sure of, right? Um, so this is why it's so important to have a mutual assistance group or at least a, a, a network of relations, even if it's not yeah. a mutual assistance group, a network of relations that you curate and maintain. Yep. Uh, so for example, I learned a lot of things about being prepared for an environment where there is fire uh, present that I'd never known before prior to walking in. And it helped me feel way more psychologically right. prepared going into it than not. Um, so that was very, very helpful. So a big shout out here to Darius because uh, he provided me with a lot of those tips. And uh, the importance also of maintaining information sources. Thanks right. to the Ontario Forest Fire Map and the uh, Canada Smoke uh, maps, we were able to confirm that, yeah, okay, this is definitely the smoke from the fires, and it gave us an idea of what we were up against in terms of the environmental. So um, communications and maintaining um, high awareness uh, of environment where you've got access to information or are able to get information thrown your way. Like in my case, uh, we were able to get updates as we were driving up there. We were able to get updates on the weather and what yep. was coming. And that was huge, yep. huge intel. Um, yep. One thing that we, we see in movies all the time is we always see that military unit or that military individual running out there and they're able to do incredible things. And why are they able to do those incredible things? Because they have an entire support network behind them. Uh, they have transport, they've got comms, they've got um, alternates, they've got all kinds of ways to back them up. And that's why they're able to operate like that. And that's yep. what this was. I had yep. all kinds of people able to back me up. And so it left me free to plan the logistics um, and focus on getting the gear out. And that was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of, that kind of, hits home the message that we try to push on the podcast a lot as well is you, you can't know everything and you got to be okay with that. Right? You know, you, oh, you got to be able to let go of the stuff that you don't know and be comfortable with knowing that somebody else can back you up on it, but you got to have those people in your group ahead of something happening and be confident that they're going to be able to back you up because, you know, you got to, you got to be comfortable with the people in your network, but you got to be comfortable with letting that go and be like, okay, I'm going to focus on the logistics you focus on the weather, you focus on roads, you focus on getting us some comms, right? It's, it's an important lesson to learn. And some people have a hard time letting go of the, I don't know everything and letting other people help. So it's, uh, it's a, that's an important thing to take away from this experience and kind of let everybody else know that, you know, it, at times it's okay to not know. You can't know everything. That's why you got to rely on other people. Right? That's a huge takeaway, Eric. Um, yep. I can't stress it enough. There's always a limit to our individual knowledge. And if, if you're not ready to know where that is and know when, okay, I really don't know about it. Hey, this person that's telling me this or this information comes from somebody who does know, yep. well, you've got to know when you can rely on that and trust on that. And it's better than working with your uh, innate information, which could be completely wrong or non-existent. Uh, <laughs> <Yep>. So yeah, <laughs> very, very amazing to have a good group of people around uh, you to, you know, throw in some tips like, like the ones I received. Um, so it was really, really amazing. Uh, Melissa says there's no stupid questions. Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, I come up with all of them all the time and uh, um, I always have more. And so, it's just amazing when others can just volunteer it before I even know that I need to ask the question. <laughs> Other people are giving yep. me those answers. I loved that. That just yep. made my week. I was able yep. to just focus on, okay, what am I getting out of there? What's my priorities? Uh, and then getting up there. So yeah, huge success. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you said, uh, you know, it's an awesome, awesome experience. It's too bad that the fires were that close to, to close to the cabin and the fact that we have to debrief an evac like this. But the the amount of uh, knowledge and experience that we can gain out of it, uh, always take a, a bad situation and turn it positive, right? 
So it's, it's good that we've been able to get some positive out of it. And it sounds like everything worked out as well, which is good. Uh, uh, is there one, still a danger to the cabin or have things kind of subsided? Um, the fire risk has been downgraded in the overall area. Again, there's still that fire burning about 50K away as the crow flies. But uh, with the overall risk being downgraded, that tells me that they've had enough rainfall that they're not mm -hmm. concerned about embers and all that picking up again. Um, this doesn't mean yet I'm ready to drop everything back into place. In fact, big learning experience for me here mm -hmm. is that if it's more than an hour away, I want it to be distributed so that I can't lose it all to any one environmental disaster. Um, so look to me talking more about distributing my eggs across multiple baskets <laughs> and how that looks and uh, how that works out. Because uh, awesome. that's going to be the takeaway from this. Awesome. Uh, Gary T has a good question here about what the area I'm talking about. Um, so the uh, area where uh, my cabin is, is between Kirkland Lake and Englehart um, in northern Ontario. So it's about uh, three hours north of North Bay, about an hour south of Timmins. Um, it's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome all right well like i said it's been a great debrief and i think we've covered off some good topics so with that i'll move us along into the podcast challenge so our challenge for uh this episode is come up with an evacuation plan for your location, whether it be your residence, uh, a cabin, happen to have both, both, but put some kind of, put your mind to an, an evacuation plan of some sort and maybe do a dry run. Not saying you have to clear your house out of all the contents and actually pack up the trailers and all that, but you know, just dry run it and say, okay, this has happened. I have to get here. I have to, what am I taking out ahead of time? And just putting yourself mentally through that uh, that practice, you'd be amazed at how much it would help if you actually end up in that situation. So just dry run an evac plan or even just put something down on paper or run through that process of what you would do, when you would do it, why you would do it, and just have it in the back of your mind. Great challenge. Uh, upcoming events. We're blank for uh, for this episode. The annual Peppers Meet happened uh, this past weekend. Uh, I was unfortunately not in attendance this year. It's one of the first years I've missed in, in quite a few, uh, but I uh, had some stuff going on uh, in the personal life that I had to uh, attend to, so I was not able to make it out to that. So, uh, But I hear that it, uh, it went off quite well and uh, was well received. And we'll have uh, Terry on to do a debrief of uh, the annual preppers meet from, uh, from 2023 in a couple of episodes. So we'll hear all about it and, uh, and all the fun stuff that I missed out on. Looking forward <laughs> to hearing him. So that'll be awesome. Yeah. Uh, this, this is about the time that we get into Jeff's uh, weather blurb, but uh, I think he's probably praying to the porcelain God somewhere. So... Uh, <laughs> He's going to keep saying that it's the microphone that's the issue, but it's worked okay. for every other episode he's been on except tonight. So, <laughs> Oh, poor Jeff. Yeah, poor he's Jeff. You're getting, there. You're, getting, you're getting the rosin tonight, Jeff. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, with that, I'll bring episode number 208 of the Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out. Submit a review. It does help other people find us. And we record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the shows, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click on the notifications tab. That will uh, give you a little heads up when we go live. Where can everybody get you, Frugal? Well, you can find me on the YouTubes, on the Facebook, on Instagram, and even on the Canadian Prepper Podcast Discord. Look at that. And I put the link in the chat there for the Discord for those of you that were asking for it. Wonderful. Yeah. So you can check out uh, Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com and get me there on the live chat. You can also email a feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Uh, thanks for joining us this evening. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. <laughs>